What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by site co-experts Lucas Johnson and Chris Klein. Welcome to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Johnson, and Christopher Klein is not with us today, so filling in his spot is our producer, Uriah Young. Hey, Uriah, how are we doing tonight? What's up? What's up? I'm, I'm uh, stepping up to the plate, and I'm taking some swings on behalf of Chris. Had a good week. How about you, my friend? It's been a little busy, but the good news is I get a new job interview tomorrow. I'm excited about that. Congratulations. Congratulations. And don't worry, fans, I'm not leaving here. It's just uh, my other job, you know, beyond. I, I do more than just the six or cents. So I apologize for those who thought that I just did this. That being said, my job interview is not the reason why we're talking here tonight, Uri. We got a lot of stuff, sixers, that we want to talk about. So let's go ahead and jump into it. we got our first subject, Uriah. You're going to go ahead and take it away. Yeah, let's jump right to it. So we all know that Joel Embiid is the king of drama, especially when it comes to social media. And if you've been paying attention to the Bucks Heat series, you might have seen that Joel happened to be tweeting during the fourth quarter or during the game itself. Uh, I think it was the first game in which uh, Jimmy Butler just really went off and they really took control of that series. So the first topic, Lucas, and to all our listeners, are the thoughts that we have about the tweets that Embiid was putting out about Butler during the game. And I'll just read them real quick. So in two letters, uh, his first tweet just says, if, and then it had the ellipsis, dot, dot, dot. And then uh, not too far later, he put Jimmy Butler hashtag too good. So to all the listeners out there, and to you, Lucas, should the Sixer fans be worried about Embiid being unhappy and possibly requesting a trade to Miami or anywhere else for that matter? So this is an interesting subject because I, I think for uh, we talked briefly about this on the podcast uh, either last week or the week before after the loss to the Celtics. Joel Embiid made it very clear that uh, – while he still wants to end his career in the, with the Sixers, I think he's opened up his mind to the possibility that that might not happen based on his comments. And I can't remember the exact comments, but it, it was along the line as if, if it doesn't happen, then you just got to move on if my career doesn't end in Philadelphia. So I think obviously with that, it's, you know, something to very worry about. And there was, so you know, there were three tweets. Um, third one was, I'm still really unhappy now. I think that might have been an homage to his, was it Mountain Dew commercial? Yeah, that was definitely Mountain Dew. That that had to be a plug for that endorsement. Either that or he just really loves trolling us, which his middle <laughs> winner right now is Trowell. So maybe maybe that's it. But going back to it, you know, there were, I think, I know I wrote a uh, article mid-season about why the Heat aren't a good fit for Joel Embiid. Uh, the a trade there just wouldn't work out based off what Miami has. I think they would have to involve another team to get the deal done for the Sixers to even remotely be po- possibly interested. But in terms of Joel asking for a trade, 
I think if they don't get the red head coach and they have another disappointing season and the roster is not fixed where I think, I think it's pretty clear that we both, I think everybody that's watched the Sixers agrees that Al Horford needs to go. They need to get another sharpshooter, preferably somebody like, I don't know, maybe Buddy Heald, who's not had great standing with the Kings, you know, one can hope, but overall, no, there, there needs to be changes because I think him and Jimmy have a really close connection and Jimmy's already forced his way out of two organizations, kind of a third one if you count us, I guess. But, you know, player tam- player on player tampering is definitely allowed in the NBA. So I wouldn't be completely surprised if Jimmy's trying to whisper sweet ideas of coming to Miami, taking his uh, Joel's talents to Miami. So is it something that I think the Sixers need, need, uh, need to worry about? Yes. But I definitely think there's a way to prevent it. So that's my thoughts. Any, what do you think, Uriah? Yeah, I think you have an interesting point about how he really doesn't doesn't really make a good fit down in Miami. If you remember, they had Hassan Whiteside for years, and although Whiteside was a defensive force in the paint and was grabbing boards left and right, they shipped him out to uh, Portland. I believe he's in Portland. So I think him being a big man down there in the system that Spolstra has, I can't see Spolstra wanting to go backwards to have a a big center back to the basket, big man like Embiid, when he has the versatility of Bam Adebayo. So in that aspect, I don't think Sixers fans have much to worry about. If anything, it really depends on the coach who they bring in. If they bring in a coach and he can get them all on the same page, particularly we're talking about – or she. Yeah, or she. Yeah, if, if they if they can get Embiid and Simmons on the same page, then perhaps Joel can go back to being quote unquote happy, and they can make some noise in the playoffs. Overall, I I just think he's trolling. Just like you said, he he changed his name from Joel to a one eighty Embiid to Joel Troel Embiid. So he's just having fun, and I definitely think that I'm still really unhappy. I think that that tweet was all about Mountain Dew. No, I, and I agree. Like I said, I think he could be trolling, but I think there's there there has to be a little bit of truth there, obviously. I, I don't think it's something that fans should completely ignore. And hopefully Elm Brand takes this as a, you know, like, this is me trying to tell you guys, like, I'm trolling right now, but take me seriously, too. You know, we could talk about, you know, and I think, like I said, I don't think that Miami has the assets that the Sixers would want because you don't want to tr- replace Joel with Bam because Bam basically – is a lesser he can't shoot and he's kind of he kind of does similar things that Ben does. So I don't right. really know if you really want to have two players like that. And obviously Jimmy would be the only other piece unless Miami doesn't have any uh first round picks of their own that they can trade. And their young players are nice, but Tyler Hero a, pa- a package around Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn is not going to get you Joel Embiid. So unless they can trade Bam in a three-way trade for somebody that the Sixers want. I, I don't really see it happening. So, or we could just do a Kelly Olynyk, Andre Iguodala trade with three draft picks involved uh, for Embiid. That might work out pretty good. <laughs> I don't, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no, nah, I'm good without Iggy. Higher <laughs> in like one or two years anyway. So, what's... did you did you see him? Have you seen? I'm sure you've seen uh, Iguodala in the game today. I didn't even recognize him. Yeah, his, he... with his hair and his beard. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's starting to thin out on the top there a little bit. I mean, I'm not judging. Uh, it happens to all mo- well most men. 
Yeah. Um, you know, and but yeah, no, he's definitely that time off in Memphis. He kind of and and the plus the hiatus did not do him any favors for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, you know, but that's just that's what happens to older players. What? Is, how old is he now? You are like what thirty six or something? Oh, he's he's definitely up there. He he, he was playing with Iverson at back yeah, in the early two thousand. Yeah, 2004 was when he was drafted, and he was in college for at least, I want to say one or two years, if not three. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I actually did a a history piece about that draft, uh, I think last summer, um, where he, where I was like, who the Sixers should have selected, and that was one of the drafts they got right, because he was a ideal pick for where they selected him out. I I think think it was what, like the seventh or eighth pick? I can't quite remember, but... Somewhere around there, seven, eight, or nine. Speaking of former players, the next topic, Lucas, you're going to take this one away, has to do with uh, some process players who are still oh, in the yeah. yeah, yeah. No, we definitely got – we got about – well, obviously, we got Jimmy Butler, who's averaging about 23 points, five rebounds and four assists in about 34 minutes a game. Obviously, we all wish Jimmy never left, but that's not – that that can't be helped anymore. But, uh, you know, another player process player who's actually about to play right now. And I have, I have the TV on mute on the Lakers uh, Rockets game. And that's Robert Covington. Robert Covington has been sensational defensively for the Rockets. He's averaging a career high in blocks for them. And right now during the playoffs, he's averaging 12 points, 2.6 steals and 1.5 blocks in about 32 minutes a game. Still stretching the floor efficiently. I think he's in the top five of made three-pointers in the playoffs so far, which is impressive. Um, and then you have Jeremy Grant, who who's the best defender. I, I honestly, I don't think there's any argument here that he's the best defender that the Nuggets have. Uh, he's averaging 10 points and 1.5 blocks in 33 minutes a game. And then there's, you know, everybody's... Uh, Everybody misses him. Landry Shamit, you know, the JJ Reddick's heir apparent. He's averaging six points on 40% shooting from three in about 21 minutes per game. So, Uriah, what are your thoughts on these guys? How would you rank them? And I guess who who would you wish the Sixers kept the most beyond Jimmy Butler? Because that's easy. Yeah, I think um, Jimmy's so, Jimmy's, Jimmy's the, he's the easy go-to for wishing he never left. I would say I'm I'm actually going to go I'm actually going to go a little negative on you here because for all the people who loved Robert Covington, great story, process guy, came out of I think Tennessee State. I'm happy for him. After all the the ups and downs being with the Sixers, all the different weird hairstyles that he had, I why didn't he do this when he was here? It's funny when I put the stats on the agenda, Lucas. The, I mean, these are good stats considering he's playing with Westbrook and Harden, and Covington is probably playing power forward. Go figure, right? So I was looking at the stats from the Houston series. He's doing really good, but then you look at what he did with the Sixers against Boston. I think he shot thirty-two percent in that series where we got just outclassed and out coached. So I just got to be a little, little negative, but a little jealous. I'm happy for him. But my question is, wh- where was that Rocco when he was playing alongside Ben and Joe? Well, okay, to, to, to his defense here, let's let's be real. That was the Sixers' first playoff series since they played under Doug Collins. 
Robert Covington was what in his like third season, first season on a winning team. Yeah. Playoff pressure yeah. was real. That he had the the you know he was being defended by guys. I think who was it like Jay Crowder and was the was Morris on the team at that point? I can't remember. Yeah, Mor- Morris was on there. I think Crowder was going at that point. I'm pretty sure. I'm not, he was going. I, I, like I said, I'm not 100 percent sure who's there and who wasn't. But you know they have good perimeter defenders and and. In Boston, and the other thing, like you said, he's playing playing power forward center now for the Rockets, and he's they're asking him to be the primary shot blocker because you can't ask PJ Tucker to do that. The guy's right. six five, six seven, so you know Robert Covington is literally the tallest player that they have available, and we all know he has long arms, and I think he always had this potential to be a shot blocker, but like I said, they he was never asked to before, right, right, um, and like I said, you know. It, Experience helps. He won through a bad series with Boston. He's played for the Timberwolves, and now he's on the Rockets, and now he's, you know... And to be fair, not saying that Ben Simmons is a bad passer, but, you know, spacing wasn't perfect on that team, and, you know, they were very much keyed in on Robert Covington, where Robert Covington isn't even, like, one of their... He's not... He's, like, the fourth or fifth option offensively, so... Like he has a lot less responsibilities there versus when he was on the Sixers. So that's that's my coming to uh, Roko's aid on that one. I, I understand where you're coming from, but I think you need to cut the. He was younger then, like I said. Yeah, yeah, but so with Jalen Brown and Rozier and Tatum, those guys were young too. They just well, they well, just had a they had a better coach. Let's just let's well, call it that, what it was. I mean that tr- too, but to be fair, Brown's proven to be one of the best role players, complimentary stars in the NBA and Terry Rozier averaged 18 points this season. You know, Jason Tatum's a superstar. So, well, let's look at Jeremy Grant now, Lucas, because 33 minutes playing for the Nuggets, that that's a pretty big deal. He starts for the Nuggets. He's definitely a rebounder. He gets one and a half blocks a game and with Jokic and um, uh, who's the starting guard for the Nuggets? Jamal Murray, uh, Jamal, Jamal Murray, Murray and uh, Gary Harris. Right. So Grant is not there to be that much of an offensive threat, but I, I would say that I'm happy for him. We all know that his uh, father and uncle played in the NBA. He looks just like him, by the way, um, in the face. And also their games are very similar, but I'm happy for Jeremy Grant. And I'm disappointed that the Sixers gave up on him so early uh, and had they held on to him, maybe he could have developed into a, a stretch, stretch four. So I'm, I'm happy for him. I wish he was still here. You know, good for Denver of of unlocking all his potential. I, I honestly thought before he got traded, he was primed to have a good season. I thought he had a lot of potential. We saw it in the summer league. We saw it during the process years. Um, at the time, and we talked about this before we came on air, the goal was to get shooting around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, especially Joel Embiid, because I think that season, yeah, that season, the Simmons was out with the foot injury, so it was just Joel Embiid. So the point was to get more shooting. Grant wasn't a shooter yet. Let's be real. He wasn't. Um, he developed it in OKC, but he wasn't there yet. And so the Sixers, now this is one of those trades that I didn't like at the time, but in retrospect, I kind of get it now. A little bit. I still don't like it. I still wish that he could have stayed because I thought he would have been a nice reserve for us. But oh, to yeah. be fair, he needed a chance to start, and he needed a chance to grow. He wasn't going to get that with the Sixers. Um, 
not when they were paradigm shifting from you know developing to trying to actually win games and OKC really unlocked him defensively and he was able to develop his jumper over time playing with guys like Russell Westbrook and uh, Paul George. Um, he was, and then, you know, defensively, he's always been good. I think he shot a career high in three pointers this year. Had to double check that. But like I said, I really like Grant. I'm happy for him. Yes. I think he would be great on the Sixers now, but while they were growing, trying to get Joel and Ben the proper spacing, he wasn't ready to do that for them at that time. So that's my thoughts on it. But yeah, no, I think he's a really underrated defensive player in the NBA right now. Now, speaking of spacing, we have Landry Shamit, and you gave his stats. He's not scoring. I thought he would give us or give us give the Clippers double digits off the bench, but clearly the playoffs are different, and he's I guess trying to catch up to the speed. But he is shooting forty percent from three, and people will always argue: should we have kept Landry Shamit and just let Tobias be where he was? Looking back and knowing what we know now after seeing after seeing Harris have a, a really subpar series against Boston, I I think Landry Shamit, he really could develop into a good player, not just a role player, but a starter in this league. And just like you keep saying, he was the heir apparent to J.J. Redick. So I would say I, I'm really missing him. I, I, I would say that I miss Landry Shamit more than Covington and Grant. I would say Shamit has a lot of potential. What do you think? Yeah, he, if he was on the team right now, I don't think the spacing issues would have been nearly as bad. In terms of scoring for these playoffs, you have to remember the Clippers are actually healthy right now. That means they have Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, who's now the reigning rookie of the year. Lou Williams was the former, three-time six, former rookie. Uh, no, six man. Six, six man. man. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, including last year. And then you have Paul George, Montrez Harrell. You got... Uh, Marcus Morris, you have uh, Reggie Jackson. There are a lot of people in that pecking order before Shamit in terms of you know who needs to score, who needs to get, who gets the ball. So I'm not really worried about the points per game because the team's really deep. Um, but yeah, no, if he was on the Sixers, I think he would be averaging at least 12 or 14 points a game because you know I think Brown would have really ran the offense. You know, would have had him replace JJ. Uh, in the two-man game. In terms of the trade last year, let's let's review who they had at the starting power forward position last year. It was Wilson Chandler. Wilson Chandler. <laughs> Wilson Chandler's good, but he was not the Wilson Chandler that was with the Nuggets for all those years. He was a former shell of himself, and he could not he could not score for the life of him. His defense was starting to wane even though he was okay. He couldn't really – he couldn't battle on the inside. He's more of a stretch four, but having him play power forward the whole entire season just wasn't going to work. And maybe that's when the Sixers should have gone with Simmons at the at the power four. I think maybe if you keep, if you don't do that trade for Tobias, you shift Ben down to the power forward and let Shamit, Redick, and Butler be on the perimeter. Yeah. I think that's what they should have done. And if you keep – if you don't trade for Tobias – you have no choice but to offer Jimmy the max and try to keep him the best you can. And maybe you fire Brett Brown a season earlier than, and maybe, you know, it's actually kind of crazy. I heard it on uh, the uh, Sixers wire with Derek Bodner and um, Rich Hoffman. 
why did the Sixers keep a co- choose a coach over a player where the coach was already on thin ice to begin with? You're talking about Butler. You know, yeah, I'm talking about Butler. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I know we're kind of leaking into the Butler thing, but it's all connected. These all, you know, Shaman and Butler are connected because they're connected by the Tobias Harris trade. Um, So I guess my thing is if you keep, if you keep Shaman, you keep, you probably keep Reddick and Butler during the summer. You, you try to either draft the center or get a center in free agency. That's not Al Horford. And like, you probably, Honestly, you might go for a guy like Dwight Howard, who's proven to be a, not a can, locker cancer room, uh, cancer in the locker room now, as well as you know, pretty quality backup center. Let's face it; if we had, I don't think anybody would be upset with Dwight Howard as the backup center, especially on the deal that he signed. I think I checked out on Dwight Howard when he put on a cape and he blew out a candle off a was a cupcake in the dunk contest. Uh, I, I remember watching that. Oh, come on, Lucas. You can't get any more fluky than that. That was, I mean, for a nine-year-old, man, man, I get I it. That's cool. I, I was, well, first off, I was like 15, I think, at the time. I don't even remember. I was a teenager, so I thought it was the coolest thing ever. You were probably but, eating a cupcake while he was blowing out a candle on a cupcake. That, That's that probably is, why you were liking that, it. <laughs> nah, I was probably eating like pretzels or something. That was I, my my teenage snack. I've never been a fan of Dwight Howard. I think his in his prime, he was obviously defensive player of the year. I give him that much, but in terms of bringing anything else to the table, he he's just kind of a, one of those enigmatic players that you just can't really gauge where his head is and where he's going and where he's coming from. Well, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Let's let's be real. Based on the uh, first half of his career. Maybe. maybe. And he, he did take his team to the finals. They did go to the finals. I'll give you that. Yeah, but we're not talking about, like I said, Dwight was just one option, but there was plenty of other quality, like Aaron Baines, for example. He was a free agent. I think everybody would have been happier if the Sixers went for Aaron Baines instead of Al Horford. And paid Baines what he's getting, which I think is what like either five or ten million a year. That's not bad for Baines. I that's, think that's more cost efficient. I would agree. But let, let's get to Jimmy Butler because I've been I I've been holding this in for a while, and mm-hmm. go for I, it. I think you know the Sixers obviously got bounced. They got trounced. They got demolished against the Boston Celtics, our rival. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't win a single game. Now, given Ben Simmons was out, but had we had Jimmy Butler, had he stayed, had Brett Brown found a way to connect with him and not alienate him, or, or just, just fire Brown, or just, or how about this, or Lucas? Brown. How about this, Lucas? Mm-hmm. How about just being a leader? And I say that in the aspect, not that Brett Brown's not a leader, but he said, and multiple players over the years have said, they don't know their role. Whether it's a bench player or a new player, Josh Richardson, Al Horford, every every player that's come through here says, I don't know my role. So if you think about Jimmy Butler and his criticisms of Brett Brown, I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I, I put mm-hmm. Jimmy leaving on Brett, and I also put some of the onus on Elton Brand. I mean, what what could he have done to keep Jimmy? Because it would be it would be nice to have a player like Butler 
leading this team, knowing full well that Ben and Joe are not ready to lead this team. So I, I'm still, I'm still mad. I, I see people all the time on on Facebook and Twitter. Every good game that Butler has, where he just takes over, we all reminisce and said he was ours, and now he's not anymore. <laughs> and he's probably going to advance to the NBA Finals because I, I could see them, I could see them taking out Toronto or Boston when they once they get through with Milwaukee. They, they have they have a puncher's chance. I, I like him more against Boston than I do Toronto, but yeah, no, they have a shot against either team for sure. Yeah. Um, I think the Raptors would suffocate them offensively, you know, with their defense more. But either one would be uh, would be. I think it would be a fun NBA Eastern Conference Finals with either one. Yeah. But did you want to add any more before I jump in on this? No, I'm done. I'm done with with Butler. I'm moving on in life. I can I can put down that that bag of animosity. (laughs) I'm not moving on from Butler here. here, And you know, I already talked. I've already talked about this in the Shamit situation. Yeah. If Brown was already on this thin of ice, you should have replaced him last summer. It's mm-hmm. as simple as that. You should have replaced him last summer. Yeah, we made the excuses. Oh, well, they made two. They changed the roster twice in the same season. That's true. And yeah, Brown was only a jump shot away. But was it really Brown that led the Sixers that far? I mean, I'm not saying that Brown didn't make proper adjustments. But let's be real. Jimmy Butler did. It was Jimmy Butler. Right. And it is a player-driven league. And to your point about, you know, Brown having Jimmy out, Jimmy said in the Reddick podcast that somebody asked Brown if he could handle Jimmy. That's the reason why Jimmy was like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't whatever Brown said. It was the fact that somebody asked Brown if he could. Because mm. Jimmy's like, you don't need to ask if you can handle or control me. That's that's what this is all about. It's the fact that somebody in the front office, it could have been the ownership, it could have been Elton Brand, it could have been one of the one of the, you know, tech one of the stack guys, you know, analytic guys. It could have been any of them. Because we don't know who has a voice in that front office. And let me just say I'm surprised there hasn't been any changes in the front office announced yet. There should be soon. I'm hoping so. Um, this is the week. that this being said. It, it needs to be the week because the Sixers need to start making changes. I, yeah. I I hope within the next two weeks we have a new head coach. But that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about Jimmy. Yes, Jimmy's three-point shooting has came off the rails this season. But to be fair, last season he struggled with us too. But that's not the he hit the shots that mattered and he right. carried the team that when it when it mattered. And yeah, there was some tension between him and Ben Simmons. But but you know what, Ben Simmons needs that because guess what. He hasn't he hasn't delivered on his contract yet. He got that that max contract under and Brand gave it to him under the impression, okay, you're gonna take the next step. Defensively, sure. But we already knew that he was probably gonna take that step regardless. Offensively, it hasn't happened. Yeah, you take a couple of threes here and there, but you haven't you, you need to do it like Brown said, at least once a game. And the fact that you openly ignored him, knowing that he said that. Not only you know shows that Brett Brown doesn't have the command of you know your respect in the locker room, it's the fact that you, you you know that you're not willing to change and accountability doesn't mean anything to you and that's why you that's why I think Kim and Butler had some friction. We saw it in that Yahoo. Uh, I, I, we talked about this before last week's podcast or the week before is where um, the Yahoo came out. The Yahoo report came out by Chris Haynes saying that. 
Ben got upset because Butler told him that how to play in a particular matchup against the Nets the year previously. So Butler kept the team accountable. Joel loved it because he needs to have that accountability, obviously. Um, and Brown and Ben weren't feeling it. And obviously, now we know what that looks like this season without it. Yeah, well, we can only hope, Lucas, that Elton Brand does get someone in the locker room that can command respect. We'll move on. If Are you done with your butler? I am, uh, yeah, because we need to go to uh, Brand anyway, so yeah. that's a good segue. Okay. So the next topic, folks, is all about the thoughts on Elton Brand's ability to make the right choices in the offseason. So here's what Lucas and I are going to do. We're going to go on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, obviously, and 1 being the lowest. And what we're measuring is confidence, the confidence that Lucas and myself have in whether or not Brand will choose the right coach and whether Brand will surround and beat Simmons with the proper complementary player. So what do you think, Lucas? Let's start with the coaches. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that Elton Brand is going to choose the right coach? In terms of coaching, I think I think we got a I I I'm confident as high as an 8. The reason being is that Brand was once an all-star in this league. He knows the type of coach that he needs to have to inspire him to be great. He's played under some good coaches too. Uh Mike Dunleavy, um he had his good run. Alvin Gentry, even though he was early, you know, I think that was like his first or second coaching day uh, with the Clippers. Um, you got other guys like Doug Collins. He's a coaching great, you know, so he's played under some good coaches. Uh, he also knows, you know, he also knows what the modern, he played in 2016, so he knows what modern players need. So, and he knows the type of, he played with Joel, so he knows exactly the type of coach that he would need to get reach Joel and sent Ben too to an extent because Ben was a rookie not playing that year. Point being is that I think based on his connections and based on the fact that he was a former player, he knows the type of coach needed to motivate stars because he was one. I think the Sixers would be fine getting the head coach. And I, I wholeheartedly believe it's going to be Ty Lue. At the end of the day, especially now that that Steve Nash, you're killing me. You're killing, me. you're killing me, man. You're killing me. All right, all right. Let me, I know let me you don't down. like Lou. I know you don't like Lou. I know you don't like Lou. But let's face it, the Nets' job is gone thanks to Steve Nash. Good for Steve Nash, by the way. Good oh yeah, yeah. Nets. Um, yeah. Uh, but but no, the the Sixers' job are, are the only the best attractive job left um, in uh, in the coaching market. So yeah, no, he's. He's probably going to come to the Sixers if he decides to be a head coach again this year. Well, let me don't see him going to New Orleans, who are the only other threat. But go ahead. Yeah, let me let me go and and I'll say this much about Brand and his ability to choose the right coach for this team. You make valid points. He played for the Sixers. He played with Embiid. He has been around very good coaches throughout his career. However. You gave him an eight. I'll give him a seven. I'll take it down one point, and here's why. Last week at his press conference, he admitted that he pretty much did not know what he was doing. And that's, that's to me, that, that shows humility. That shows leadership. Mm-hmm. And I think he was basically saying to everyone listening, 
in uh, Sixers fandom and, and in the organization that I have room to improve. So we know that he has played in the NBA and we know that he has some experience as general manager. I still, I'm not sold. And all these rumors about Ty Lu, your boy Ty Lu, there's probably some truth to it. And if he's in, to me, if he's, if he's in the realm of, of being the next coach, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling Ty Lu. I'll be very disappointed if Brand hires him. And, and people are saying, oh, Steve Nash doesn't have any experience. Come on, you're going to compare Steve Nash, two-time MVP, to Ty Lu, who basically didn't even coach the Cleveland Cavaliers. We know LeBron was calling all the shots on that team, and he inherited a winning team. So if if he, he managed personalities, which this team desperately needs, and he kept LeBron accountable, which the team desperately needs accountability. Those are the two main things the team needs: is managing superstar personalities and needs accountability. Did you, did you see the meme of of um, Iman Shumpert throwing a towel on on Lou's shoulder? Did you see that? I'll, I'll send that to you. No, that shows you how much respect. The, these players have for Lou, in my opinion, because I mean, the irony of it, Lucas, is this is the guy that in NBA basketball history of all images, you see Allen Iverson stepping over top of him in the 2001 finals. So I know that, that that's just a one snapshot moment in the history of basketball. But in fans, especially Sixers fans, that kind of resonates. And I've seen many, many people online saying Oh, I'll never. Why would if if he's getting stepped over like that in as an NBA player? What makes you think players are going to respect him in the locker room? Um, now, given he has a ring, he has a ring, he has a ring. But again, that's LeBron's coaching, in my opinion. Okay, so who would you rather have if not Ty Lue? Well, we know it ain't Jay Wright, <laughs> and I I wrote that he, he should come to the Sixers, but that's out of he's not a viable candidate. Anymore. Yeah, he. He's not, he's not interested. Yeah, he, he came interested. out and he gave a press release. He actually had a, a statement on his Twitter page. But to answer your question, if I was Elton Brand and if I was to take him from a 7 to a 10 in terms of picking a right coach, I would go with either uh, I would go Jason Kidd or Mark Jackson. Chris, Chris, Chris will, will not be happy about that. Chris, Chris is very much. <laughs> anti-Jason Kidd because of the off-court issues that Jason Kidd has had. He has. Uh, he's, hey, look, he Mark, Jackson, Mark Jackson has had off-court issues. What coaches haven't had off-court issues? I mean, except, what, Steve Kerr and and some other players? Look at Phil Jackson was dating <laughs> the owner's daughter. So, But, yeah, no, Phil Jackson, yeah, he dated the, uh, the owner's daughter. Um, you're right. There are some coaches, but um, – my biggest issue with Kidd is this: is that he both places he had he had clashes with the front office, both with the Nets and with the uh, Bucks. So, but Chris, I mean, between you between you and Chris, you guys are very smart basketball guys. You know better than me that the perfect coach to help elevate Ben Simmons' game because of his lack of you know what it is shooting. The perfect mentor for him would be Jason Kidd, because when he came out of college in the 90s, he had zero shot. And by the time he ended his career, he was a very good three point shooter for Dallas. So I think that's a a big selling point for him. 
And that's a valid point. And I'm not denying that. That's one of my pros for Jason Kidd. You know, he developed Giannis and uh, Ben Simmons is Giannis light, basically. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's a fair comparison, but it is what it is. Um, in terms of, like I said, um, Jason Kidd has had his problems. Mark Jackson, I love Mark Jackson. I think it'd be nice. I'm just, I want to see if he can develop his offensive playbook more. Because obviously the reason why he was ousted out of Golden State was because the offense was very archaic and just not effective for what uh, Curry and Thompson were doing. So, But overall, yeah, you bring up two good guys. I like them. They're on my top they're in pro- my top five or six for coaching candidates. Um, if not Ty Lue, I like Sam Cassell as well. I, I like Sam Cassell too. I think he'd, I think he'd be a decent coach. A couple rings on his finger. So I loved him as a player. I loved him as a player. Yeah. I, he had a very unique a game. He could really draw fouls. I mean, he was really good oh, at yeah. that, getting to the line. But let, let's move on, Lucas, to the, the second half of this brand talk, and that has to do with his uh, ability to pick up players that, that are going to complement Ben and Joe. So what's your confidence from 1 to 10 on brand signing players to fit the system? Five. I okay. know that seems a little harsh, but mm-hmm. it's not just the fact that he has to find the right players. It's the fact that he has to get some players off the roster. Right, and getting Alfred off the hot roster, not gonna be easy. Getting Tobias Harris off the roster, though, I think he's a nice compliment. He's not the perfect one. Not gonna be easy. It's not just the players that he has through the draft, or you know, between the margins and free agency. It's you know the players that he adds via you know it's the players that he gets rid of. And getting rid of Al Horford, we have all agreed, is going to be tough. I'm not. I don't think it's impossible. I think you can sucker a team like maybe the the Hornets or the the Kings into it. You know, you might be able to convince a team like the Rockets, who might need a big man after the season, depending if Mike D'Antoni gets bounced. It depends for sure. I don't think it's going to be impossible. But obviously, Brand was the was one of the people that high, that signed uh, Elton. I don't know if he had the final say. We really don't know because we don't know who was in charge of the front office at that point. Who really was? I mean, but at the end of the day, getting rid of Al Horford is a big part of you know making getting the right players around Ben and Joel. And I don't know if he'll be able to do that. That's that's so I give him a five, maybe like an average. But I think he'll make some good moves, but I don't think he'll make the big moves that matter. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would give him a five as well. And we know that he's restricted based on uh, salary cap and, and some of the moves that that they made that kind of went south over the past 12 months. It reminds me of, you know, when you're a kid, right? And you want to buy Christmas gifts for your parents or people that you care about. And, you know, maybe your dad gives you 50 bucks. Says, All right, here you go. But and you're restricted. You only have that 50 bucks and you have to figure out, okay, how do I spend how do i get something for everyone and with this restriction in terms of money and and bad contracts and elton is part of the blame for that it's going to be really difficult for him to put the right pieces around ben and joe shooters guys that can dribble penetrate and just someone who's more reliable than sorry to say it but furcon Korgmaz and and all those guys coming off the bench that didn't show up in the boston series so 
I would agree with you, Lucas. I, I would give him a five. Honestly, I'm half tempted to give him a four just based off of that because we don't know what type of in between the mark. Because they had three, they had four centers on the on the on the roster for the playoffs. And, and instead of waving Kyle Quinn or Trey Burke, I mean, or Norval Pell, they tr- waved, you know, Trey Burke, who ended up yeah. balling for the for the, you know, the uh, the Mavericks. And even uh, James Ennis didn't play terribly for the uh, Magic. That was a mistake, that Trey Burke thing. And, and But we don't know how much was that Brett Brown, though. I mean, that Brett Brown that was Brown. Don't get me wrong. Trey Burke has his problems. But when he played next to Ben, it looked like it worked really well because you take you just make Burke a shooter then. The right. shooting, he, he's essentially a shooting guard when he plays next to Ben. You don't yeah. have to run the offense through. So instead of him over-dribbling or him making the wrong reads – you just ask him to spot up or, you know, do the flare screens or, you know, do the dribble handoffs that J.J. used to do. And he could do that. He proved that in the Dallas and Clippers series. Getting rid of Trey Burke, I, you know, Chris is a very big Howell Nettle, and I'm a very big Trey Burke fan. I think we know who probably won the, <laughs> that argument in these playoffs. I mean, no no offense to Howell Nettle, but, I mean, Trey Burke has proven that he can be in a, a playoff rotation and contribute. Yeah. Um, Neto just was overmatched against against the Celtics. So, to be fair, everybody was, but that's not the point. We'll have to see what happens here, man. I'm really curious. I want to know what they do with the draft because if they keep that first round pick, you get you probably either get Kerry Lewis Jr., Tyrell Terry, or Trey Jones. I think all of which are good. Uh, I think you need to get a point guard with that with that first round pick. But if they decided they need to package that pick to get rid of, um, who was it? Uh, Al Horford or Tobias Harris. Probably I would all, I wouldn't, I wouldn't package Tobias Harris with that first round or I would, I would package out. Um, then, you know, then we don't have a first round pick and we only have four second round picks. So you could package two of them to move up. The first round. Yeah. So we have a, what if here guys. And basically we're going to go into what if, uh, kind of like, what if X would have happened? So you're right. What is the one move in the process area that you wish the Sixers should or should not have done? Well, this is tough because there's been plenty of drama over the years. There's been plenty of uh, plenty of bad moves or moves that just should have been just not done at all. And I'm gonna. I'm not gonna name any particular uh, player from the process in terms of who we acquired. I'm actually gonna rewind and go back to I guess 2012, 2013. So this is what I didn't bring up two weeks ago because after we got just steamrolled by Boston, you and Chris were just. I mean, we went over in time, and you guys had a lot to share. And I just, I just waited for my time, and this is my time right now. I'm going to go on record and say the process should have never happened. Let me explain. I I think I've heard you talk about this before when we were off air, but go ahead. Go ahead. Make the people angry. Here we go. So I've been a Sixers fan my whole life, and I can say that there were plenty of times in history that there were eras of basketball where the Sixers may not have been that good, but you could tell that they were trying. Uh, and this is even before the Allen Iverson years. But my point of 
saying that the process should have never happened goes to the thinking that here you have Sam Hankey, who came practically out of nowhere. And he came in and he was able to convince the owners that the best way to build a roster was to get strike, uh, strike lightning in a bottle, which is what Oklahoma City did that one year where they ended up with Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. How many, how many times are you as a team in any sport, baseball, basketball, football, hockey, that a team is going to do that? It's highly unlikely. So instead of being patient and trying this just radical approach to building a roster, the 76ers organization gave the fan base five years of garbage, five years where if you were a high school kid, you pretty much went through your entire high school where, and you love basketball. There, there was no winning bat. There was no competitive basketball in the city of Philadelphia and they rolled the dice and it flopped. It failed all this extra drama over the years, all these bad memories. Yeah, we made the playoffs, but as you saw a couple of weeks ago, we got demolished by the Boston Celtics. So I'm going to go out on a limb and with a what if, Lucas, I'm going to say what if, instead of tearing down the team, what if we would have kept Lou Williams, Andre Iguodala, Drew Holiday, who became an all-star, even Nikola Vuce, Nick Vucevic, those are four very good players. Was a, uh, Vucevic and uh, Iggy were traded before the process in the Biden trade, so we were without. Them. Okay, okay, all yeah. right. Well, well, my point is, if you if you have a general manager who earns his keep, instead of blowing it up, and you have a team with an all star and Drew Holiday and some young pieces, why can't you go to free agents and say, hey? We made the playoffs. We lost to Miami 4-1. You could be that player to take us to that next level. What, I, I don't, even back then, I said, why don't they just tr- keep who we have? We have an all-star and build around him. But no, we have Josh Harris, Mr. Tear down the companies, build them up, and then sell them. And that's, that's where we ended up. That's where we are now. So I would say, what if the Sixers didn't even go through the process? I'm putting it out there, and I'm sticking with it. What about you, my friend? Well, first off, you need to write about that, like ASAP. Um, I'm going to tell you right now. If you you can't bring that up on this podcast and not decide about to write about that, so that's 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 my homework assignment for you. I know I don't really give out homework assignments, but in this case, yeah, the people now that you put it out there, the people are going to want more Uriah. So I'll do it. I'll do it. This- um, secondly. In terms of your proposal, um, it's a tough one because really the Sixers only had Lou Williams, an aging Elton Brand, Drew Holiday, um, who was about to go through a slew of injuries. Um, you know, he had some rough years in New Orleans, of course, thinking a lot of people did that. So maybe it wasn't, you know, his fault. But um, in terms of. Um, I mean, we could have done that. And like I said, if I think you would have had a stronger case, case if the Bynum trade didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could have traded Iggy for somebody else younger. You know, Iggy and Brand for somebody younger. Um, right. I think you could have done that. Um, but that's under the guise that the Bynum trade doesn't happen. Um but yeah, no. Uh, 
obviously this season makes it feel like the the process didn't work and maybe it hasn't at least up to the i don't i'm not i don't know if i'm ready to completely close the book i mean i know the process is over now because i consider the process over with when both uh hinky and brown are gone now because the process was those two in charge of it um now that they're both gone the process is over um process worked in the fact that it got the right assets it did not work in the fact that those assets were used correctly either as draft picks or salary cap space and the coach wasn't able to make it work to have a, a champ win a championship but the idea behind it worked uh in my opinion granted is it worth it that's up for debate but the idea behind it worked um but moving on to my what if that's a tough one. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm still struggling about which one I'm choosing right now. I couldn't make a decision before the podcast. There's so um, many. There's so many. Because obviously my first thought is, well, don't draft Okafor. Well, if you don't draft Okafor, you draft Porzingis. But then you don't draft – then you don't – he wins you enough games to where you don't draft um, – you don't draft Ben Simmons. And do you really want to have – and can you win a championship with two bigs like Porzingis and Embiid? Or do you trade Embiid? Like, you don't know. We don't yeah. know what would happen here. Would you have Porzing- – would Brown have played Porzingis as center or a power forward? We don't know. So, I guess in terms of the process, it's any move basically from 2013 till now for me. And in which case, I guess the – I guess that would be, um, you know, don't let Jimmy Butler go to Miami. I think that's the easy one. Yeah. If we're going with just the hinky era of it, um, I think you got to say. Keep Ish Smith. Uh, <laughs> don't get rid of Ish Well, you know, you know, oh, gosh, that that was a big one that he got. It was an underrated move, but it was such an important one that he got so much flack for. I think that and trying to replace Ish Smith with Kendall Marshall, who yeah. I thought was going to be good. I thought I liked the move at the time. I thought it was a good move because I'm like, okay, I know Kendall Marshall's a fast pass first type guy. He's a good defender. He could stretch the floor good enough. But that 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 knee injury really just derailed his whole career. So yeah, no, I think I think. I'm going to go with with Okafor on this one, though. It's a tough one because it could have been. Or, you know what? Actually, no. No. I have one even better for you. I wish that they wouldn't have drafted Michael Carter-Williams with, with the 11th pick, but instead drafted Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody knew Giannis was going to turn into Giannis. I, you're, I think your original pick about Okafor that that because it was just I mean the higher up in the ranking of of drafting the more likely you're going to strike gold and picking at three and picking another center I I think you you nailed it on the head there are so many other players between four through ten where the Sixers could have really struck gold Giannis was what what do you go 16 17 so that that was just a shot in the dark no one knew yeah, I you know the thing is I remember where I was when that draft happened. I was I had just graduated college, but I was working at my college as a maintenance worker. Which and draft? I was in the student center. Which draft? The 2015 draft. 2015. Um, that was the Okafor so, or no, that was Giannis. No, the Okafor one. So, okay. 
so um, basically uh, I was in the student center and I was chilling and my friend, my best friend was there and he was like, watch they pick Okafor. I'm like, no, 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 no. LA is going to pick Okafor and then we're going to get D'Lo. That's what I want out of this. That's and what I want. LA went, with, LA went with D'Lo and I'm like, no. And my friend was laughing at me so hard. He was like, you're either going to get Okafor or Porzingis. You're going to get another big this year. I'm like, please don't. Yeah. Just please don't. Yeah. That was a tough that. one. That was a tough one. That definitely was a tough one. Well, we're we're going to switch gears, Lucas, and we're this next topic is for all the video game heads out there. And I think everyone who plays video games, particularly sports video games, really, really gravitates towards NBA 2K. And the 2K ratings came out this week. And what Lucas and I are going to do, I'll read the ratings for each player, and Lucas is going to pick one player that stands out to him, and I'll pick one as well. So I'm looking at it right now, and in the center we have Joel Embiid. He's ranked as a 91. The second highest player is Ben Simmons, as most of you would probably think. He's at 87. We have Tobias Harris, our $180 million man at 84. And then surprisingly, and Lucas and I talked about it earlier, surprisingly we have Al Horford and Josh Richardson tied with an 80. So Lucas, what do you think? Which one stands out to you? I think the only one that I'm like not even remotely like questioning is Joel's. I think 91 is a great one for him. Everybody else I'm kind of questioning. I feel like Ben Simmons could be an 89. I think that's the, I think he should be an 89. I don't think cuz he was 87 last year. And he's gotten better defensively, so I think that should improve. Um even though his offense has kind of stagnated, but his defense is is much better. So I think that's that's fair. Um Al Horford's a tough one because we know how good he can be without Joel, you know, if he's starting at center. So I don't know. It's a tough one because he could either be like an 80 or like a 78. I guess it depends on lineups. Uh, Josh Richardson seems kind of high, but I guess that's for like two years ago versus this year. Tobias seems about right for me. I, I would be okay anywhere between 84, 82 and 84 for him. So that, that makes sense for me. Uh, I'll just go out and say Al Horford. I think he's not an eighty. He's definitely lost the step. Mm-hmm. I was a big, I was a big supporter of Al Horford from day one. I thought that when Jimmy left, we needed a player that we could rely on, a veteran, someone who had a very professional demeanor. Unfortunately, he just was not a good fit within the system that Brett Brown had. And maybe that's why he's he's uh, an 80 and not an 84. I'm sure if he was playing with Boston, he'd probably be an 84. But I think this season he took a step back production-wise. I think he's he's not an 80. I think he's probably a 78 or a 77. I think 78 would be fair for him. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much it on the 2K. I haven't gotten 2K yet. I'm waiting. I'm got. I have to pay off the rest of my Kobe uh, Mamba edition before I get it. Uh, yeah, you told me that was a hundred bucks. They must, they must have ninety-nine, some, but yeah, 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 yeah. For that money, they need to. You need it needs to come with an autograph Kobe box or something. In my opinion. I don't know. Last time I play, I, I haven't played two K in a while. I've been busy, obviously, but I think the irony for me, Lucas, is when I used to when I first got it two years ago. Well, I guess Tobias was with the Clippers. I think he was still with Detroit. I was playing with the Sixers. It was back when the Sixers had Redick on the roster and I'm playing NBA 2K. And 
this guy with the headband just kept lighting me up. I mean, he's hitting threes all over the floor. And it was Tobias Harris. And I just, every time I <laughs> see Detroit coming up in my schedule, I'm like, no, the headband, dude. Nope. I, I got to double team him because he's going to kill me. But, yeah, for all the 2K fans, we hope you uh, check that out and get into the rankings. But our final topic, we're going to finish things out, Lucas, with our social media question of the week. It didn't make it to Twitter, but that's okay because Facebook ended up getting the question. And it has, has to do with what we were talking about earlier, Lucas. Mm-hmm. So for all the uh, followers of the Sixer Sense on Facebook – the question went out and it said, out of all of the bad moves that the Sixers made during the process, which one stings most? Now, the options, there were five of them. Even though there's probably 10, we could go over There's five. A, being stuck with bad contracts. B, drafting three centers in a row. C, firing Hinky for Colangelo. D, not keeping Jimmy Butler. Or E, drafting Markel Fultz over Jason Tatum. Now, Lucas, I don't know if you looked at the the responses, but there were a lot of E's. A oh, lot yeah. of people are really have their their heads in their lap or on their hands on their forehead head, uh facing their lap, still shaking their head about letting Tatum go over Fultz. And there was a gentleman on Facebook, uh shout out to Jonathan Benton the second. He said E and here is his rationale. Check this out. He said, if we had drafted Tatum, I really don't think any of this other stuff matters. If we draft Tatum, we don't have a need for Butler. Hinky is still the GM. We probably aren't stuck with the bad contracts. And drafting three centers in a row doesn't seem like much of an issue. And it just said, just my opinion. And what do you think, Lucas? Do you think he has a point with the Tatum Passover? He has some points, but let me counter with this. First off, Hinky was already fired by the time Fultz was uh, drafted. He he had been he had gone up fired. There was mutual parting of ways. Right. I put the air quotes with my fingers around that when I said that. Um, <laughs> that being said, uh, he is right in the fact that this other stuff doesn't happen. We probably don't get Horford and um, and Tobias. Uh, Jimmy, we 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 might have still traded for Jimmy though. I don't know if we would have needed to, and if we did, I you know there's probably I don't know if we I don't like I don't think the Jimmy Butler trade happens, and then we don't lose him for nothing because I don't I think at the end of the day you know you look at uh, Tatum and he does he's a better shooting I mean uh, at least offensively he's better shooting than Jimmy and defensively he's um, he's close. And when it comes to clutch, he's getting there. He's not there yet, but he's starting to show some clutch moments. So, yeah, no, I don't think the Butler trade happens if we get uh, Tatum. That being said about that, Fultz was a lot of people's consensus, number one, although I always wanted the Sixers to get uh, Tatum because if you truly believe that Tatum, uh, Simmons was the point guard of the future, you don't get Fultz. You get Tatum. Right. That's that, That's my belief, anyway. If you truly believed... And I, and I told this to uh, our former site expert back when I was a contributor here. Me and him had a full-on like private conversation about it. I'm like, guys, if you really, really believe that Ben Simmons is a true point guard, you don't get Tatum. You, I mean, you don't get Fultz, you get Tatum. Because Ben can defar- defend point guards. That's not the issue for the Sixers. The, the, the issue for the Sixers was um, 
getting somebody that can create off the dribble. Right, and right. I, and I saw Tatum play in college. I was like, this kid's going to be special. He, he's His build, the way that he, like, everything. And Fultz, he played good in college, too. I'm not denying that, but it's a star-driven league, and the best stars are wing players. I mean, yeah, point guards are stars, too, but let's be real. You you can rely on a wing player to get a shot a lot easier in the playoffs versus a guard. Right. Yeah, you, you've been consistent, Lucas, with your Tatum stance. I think pretty much everybody during that time had faults going over Tatum. It just was the footage that they had of him playing at Washington, though it was a small sample because he didn't finish the whole season. And they had a losing record that year playing for the Huskies. But he definitely had the right tools. But I think people would point out and emphasize the fact that his his people keep saying that his tryouts, when he would, mm-hmm. audition, he would audition the workouts, he just looked terrible. Like, yeah. He froze up. And, and again, I said this a few few times before is he's one of those players that could have stood some more time in college. Maybe he could have stayed another year and then Tatum to your point. I mean, just coming out of Duke when, when you get to be coached by the greatest college coach ever, I think that that definitely lends itself to a mature player who's more primed to be successful and productive his first year. Well, let's be fair to the Sixers. They did draft a guy out of Duke in 2015, and he got into some off-court issues as well. <laughs> oh, you, you, know, you do not like Ogilver, man. I, I, I get it. He, he definitely had issues. Well, no, no, no. Let me say this. I love Okafor's back-to-the-basket game. That's how I play. I love playing my back-to-the-basket. I love posting up. What I don't like about Okafor is that he did not try defensively. Oh, and maybe no he tried it just that he just looked awful and that he would look lethargic. Like he had no interest in playing it. So, and the off court issues certainly did not help. Yeah, he, he, he definitely had his issues. I think his dad was not happy with the environment in which his son was, was developing, not only as a, as a player, but as a, as a young man. And that whole Boston fiasco, when he got in that fist fight, I'm thinking, what the hell is going on? With the Sixers, I think he had a on him too. Well, yeah, in Philly, I think he was he was partying, and I think that just goes to show you that it just a culture of losing. That's what happens when you deliberately put players on the floor who have no chance at winning. I mean, no to lose. Yeah. Not enough, not enough veterans to lead those guys. You had what? Well, who was the veteran that year? Carl Landry was he well, the only veteran? They, they brought in Brandon. They toward the end of his career. Yeah, but he barely played. That doesn't yeah, count. True. Yeah. Uh, no, but like I said, it's you know there was no there's no veteran leadership, and they're bad young bad teams, but they have at least three to five veterans. The Sixers had two probably. Yeah. Two veterans. Yeah. Like not enough. Not enough. Um, but going back to this point, yeah, he's probably right in a lot of those senses, but Hinky was already fired by the time Tatum was drafted, uh, by the time that draft came around. So but you're right. I think I think he's on the mark there. I think for me, the reason why I think part of the reason why uh he got fired was the fact that he drafted three centers in a row. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> granted, I don't think I think yeah. From what I've understood, and these are just rumors that I heard, is that ownership told him to pick in, you know, one of those three top players, whichever one was available. 
Right. I do not know if that's true. That is just what I've heard through the grapevine. And if that does, if that is true, then that shouldn't be held against Hinky for getting Okafor. And you know, the, the I think the thought was you you flip Okafor for what you could, but if you wanted to get the most out of Okafor as a trade asset, you needed to trade him that rookie year because afterwards we both know he his value quickly plummeted, especially once Joel came on the scene. Agreed, hundred percent. Yeah, man. So, uh, on behalf of uh, Six or Sense Podcast, this has been Lucas Johnson and Uriah Young. We really thank you guys for tuning in. Please feel free to subscribe to Apple iTunes, Spreaker, or Google Play. Also, feel free to leave a comment. Let us know what you think about our podcast discussions. We look forward to presenting you with more Sixers talk next week, guys. Take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.